Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning. Man, you guys are with it today. It's so good to see you. Man, I, I love the week after Easter because this is the greatest Sunday and only the greatest people show up on the week after Easter. So give yourself a pat on the back. You made it. Good job. You braved. If, you're, uh, if you live on the other side of the five, you braved the fog this morning. We are, man, you, your courage inspires us. So we're so grateful. I know that they issued a warning and I think the authorities said, please go to the Movement Church immediately. So you did. We're glad that you're with us. Man, I just want to tell you, if you're here and, and you call this place home, man, I want to just t- tell you, you are amazing. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we've been praying for and getting geared up, inviting our friends, praying for our friends. And last week, literally, uh, we had more people walk through the doors of the Movement Church for church than ever before. And that's because of you. And listen, let me tell you what's really worth a hand clap. 24 people said yes to Jesus. So come on, let's give that a hand clap. That's an amazing thing, guys. Week after week, you're a part of making a difference because you're committed to doing so much more than just attending. You're about belonging. And I want to say, man, I'm so proud to call this church my church. I hope you are too. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the future. And I'm excited about this brand new series we're starting today called Elevators. Uh, And uh, this is really about how everyone else has issues, but you have options. And how life can throw you some crazy things, but uh, you don't have to get all crazy in the process. Before we dive in, I want to tell you one of the things that we're stoked about, and uh, we've been a a part of partnering with an organization called Children's Cup uh, for the duration of our church. And this organization, they go into uh, South Africa, Swaziland, and a few other countries, and and find children who really have a physical need, and, and they come in and partner with pastors in the area and help feed the children that are there, and then earn the right to speak truth and hope into their lives. And, and we have partnered with one of the feeding sites in Swaziland, and I'm excited about it. We feed, I think it's 118 kids every week, one warm meal a day. Uh, and then we're also a part of helping with their educational needs, bringing some physical aid to them, some medical support. And then we partner with a church there to build a great church in that region so we can also bring and help meet the spiritual need. And we're going to Swaziland in November, and we are stoked about it. And if you would like to go with us, you are welcome to. We have an interest meeting coming up on tax day, April 15th. So don't do your taxes. Come to the interest. I'm kidding. Do your taxes early and get to the interest meeting. Hopefully you've already finished that. But you can text the word Africa to our number. I believe they'll have that on the screen for you just a second. Text the word Africa. All the information you need will be given and delivered right to your phone. We'll tell you about the cost, the duration of the trip. Um, Really, it's actually a minimal trip. It's about 10 days. You don't have to get shots, any of that stuff. Everything's good. Uh, But but I will tell you this. If you travel with us to Africa, and when you come home, you will never be the same. Uh, Megan and I, my wife and I, went a few years ago in preparation for our partnership. And I wake up still to this day, just on random days, thinking i got to get back to Africa. Uh, just the joy in, in what God is doing in their lives is unbelievable. And then you come back here, no matter what your scenario or situation is, you come back here thinking, man, we've got it good. 
We've got it good. And so make plans to be with us. Text the word Africa to the number on the screen and you can jump in. Does that sound good? Yeah. Thanks, Megan. Woo! It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a really good day. Uh, I want to just share with you real quickly. Um, I, find, I find that if we're not careful, church, uh, look, look at me in the eyes for a woman. I find if we're not careful, even if you are in leadership at the movement church, which so many of you are a part of the dream team and you're in the leadership here, it would be so easy to just slip in and slip out. But this series is not just merely inspirational. Woo! God is good. He wants to do great things in you. That is good. But it's also not just straight exegetical. We're not just diving into a specific passage of Scripture. We're actually going to extrapolate from different portions of the Scripture. This series is a contemplative series. It's really for all of us that are here to come in and sit down and digest the possibilities and say, okay, God, what do you want to do in my life? Because life gets crazy. It throws crazy at us all the time. But you don't have to be crazy. And the crazy thing is, the scripture gives us some insight on how to live. So I want to challenge you, lean in in this series, especially today, and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Can I read a passage of scripture to you? Uh, This is found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And I'm reading the Amplified Version, which really is like um, the, the, the ladies' version because it's like the details upon details of the scripture and it's so good. Why is that a bad thing? Why are y'all judging me right now? We're going to change the series to stop judging Pastor Carey. James chapter 1. Listen to this passage. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort, or fall into various temptations. Can I just pause there and say no thanks? (laughs) Like, can we just be honest when you read this? It's like, consider it wholly joyful, my brother, whenever you are enveloped, like completely surrounded by or are encountering trials. Uh, So in other words, when crazy hits the fan, be happy about it. (laughs) Right? If you ever read the scripture, be like, I don't know if I can get behind this. Listen, let's move on. Verse 3 says this, um, Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out, look at these three words, endurance and steadfastness and patience. Everyone loves those three words, don't they? Endurance, steadfastness, and patience, right? Those are horrible words. They, they mean, oh, this, this actually, this, the environment I mean, kind of sucks and I've got to keep on keeping on, right? Keep on, keep on. Nobody? I'm just going to get really goofy in here if y'all don't get with it. And uh, let me read on. I just locked my iPad out. It's a good day. I feel it in Jesus' name. Verse 4 says this. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work. So in other words, don't rush endurance. Don't rush steadfastness or patience. Let them linger. Do you have to? Do you have to let them linger? Yeah, actually the scripture says you do. You do. Listen, it goes on to say say this. So that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. So the writer, the author is saying here, look, when you're facing crazy, when crazy slaps you in the face, count it joy. And let the steadfastness and patience linger. Just soak in it. What? This sounds crazy. Like crazy talk, doesn't it? Nobody wants to just linger in a momentary patience, right? If you have to have patience, it's because you're not enjoying it. 
Nobody needs patience for something they're enjoying. Right? It's for something like, oh, this is wearing on my patience. Why? Because I don't like it. And so the writer's saying that crazy is inevitable. You're going to, you're going to be facing crazy in your life, but you actually have options on how you handle it. Now, this is challenging for us because sometimes we would rather not have options. We like to just sit in our pity party and cry about it. But the Bible's saying that we actually have options. And those crazy might be your, the current situation or scenario you're facing. It might be your spouse. It might be your child. It might be your parents. Who, it, crazy comes in many fashions and forms. It could be crisis. But I believe that we have options and that we're going to explore today in the next few weeks exactly what the scripture has to say about how we handle our crazy. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's do this. God, we just thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you that you're moving in our hearts and lives. God, we thank you that you love the first service people more than the second service people. And so God, would you bless us now? But really, God, we just ask that you, you help us to, to kind of open our, our hearts and lives to you. And, uh, and really, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, uh, God, we just give you permission right now to rearrange the furniture of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. And yes, I did just take my jacket off because it's about to get crazy up in here. The title of my message today is Up or Down. Up or Down. When you get to an elevator, usually there's two buttons, unless you're coming to the kaleidoscope and they're broken. And uh, the escalators are broken because the kaleidoscope wants you to take stairs or the freight elevator, which smells... So nasty, you want to take the stairs. Can I get an amen for the kaleidoscope? Hallelujah. Yes, no complaints. You have an option choosing up or down. Up or down. And today I want to talk about the choice that we have when crazy is thrown in our face or at in our direction. Can we do that? Um, Mount Everest. Did you guys see the new version of the movie called Everest? Have y'all, any of you guys see that? It's a great film. Um, it's inspiring. It's sad. It's all the things. Uh, you know, I give it two thumbs way up. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, but I did some research after watching this film and found out that, obviously many of you might know this, that Mount Everest is just under 30,000 foot above sea level, which it is the, to- the tallest mountain in the world. It- its peak is at the height that airplanes fly when you're traveling across the country. Right? So it's-, it's way the heck up there, right? Uh, uh, since 1953, when it was first summited, uh, there have been about 4,000 people who have uh, summited that peak. They, they about a thousand try every year. Only five hundred accomplished this. Uh, but literally two hundred and fifty people have died in the process, and there are still two hundred deceased persons on the mountain today. And it costs an average of forty-five to sixty-five thousand dollars to do this crazy business, right? Uh, and, and if you were to stand in Nepal or in Tibet and look at the landscape view of Mount Everest, it would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? It would be in seemingly insurmountable, unless you're just a tad bit crazy, right? But if you were to take a step back and view that image, the very mountain that you're standing at the precipice of, if you were to view that mountain from a satellite feed of miles and miles and miles above the Earth's atmosphere, this huge, seemingly insurmountable mountain would actually be just a tiny little blip on the radar, right? 
And what is actually the thing that changes it? Does a mountain shrink? Does it shift its size or its shape? No. The only thing that changes is your perspective. The only thing that shifts is your perspective. And in life, crazy is going to be thrown at you, hurled at you. Some of us actually perpetuate crazy. We'll talk about that in week four. But crazy is going to happen. And how we handle it relies so greatly on our perspective. In fact, perspective shapes the context of our life situation. Perspective shapes the context of life's situations. And so if that's the case, our perspective, in other words, how we view the scenarios and the situations that we're facing, then the ingredients that shape our perspective are profoundly important. The ingredients that shape our perspective, our viewpoint of what it is that we're facing, are profoundly important. And I believe there's a few things that shape that there's a few ingredients that have a huge impact on the way that you and I see the challenges that we face. I want to talk about those today, and then I want to take a few moments to rephrase or reshape, perhaps, our perspective towards a godly perspective, because he has one for every aspect and every component of our life. So there's a few things that shape our perspective, and one of the key things that shapes our perspective is my experiences, The experiences that I've walked through, the experiences that I go through, have a profound effect on shaping my perspective. Generally speaking, my past has a profound... Like a puppy... Okay, we had a dog named Mercedes. I've talked about her before, 15 years ago now. Uh, She was a Sharpay pit mix, beautiful dog. She had the Sharpay face and the pit bull body, and she was just this... The sweetest dog only to my family and to everyone else. You would have thought she was a scaredy cat, and she was. But whenever we would get a trash bag out to refill the liner of our trash can, she would run and hide, shaking sometimes under a table. Do you know why she would do that? Because when she was a puppy, she and the rest of her litter were found in a trash bag on the side of a road because someone was disposing of them. And so now every time a trash bag came back out, it would trigger something in her mind that reminded her of a past experience. And then it it would initiate fear on the inside of this dog and she would run and hide. And the sad truth is that for many of us, we respond to crazy in the very same way. Our past shapes our perspective. If you've walked through amounts or any type of rejection in your life, then any relationship that you get into, you're immediately going to probably throw up walls because you've been rejected and you don't know if you can handle that kind of rejection again. So you may let people get somewhat close, but you'll kind of keep them at a distance until you feel you can trust them a little bit more and then they can get a little bit closer, but never fully there because the moment you let your wall down, you know you're going to experience the same kind of rejection and you are not going to go through that again. So therefore, our past experience shapes our perspective. And then what does that actually do? It limits the fullness of the relationships that we can get into. Because as long as we are kept at a distance, then we can't experience the fullness of any relationship. And our past experience begins to shape our perspective. We think that because somebody did this in our past, then everybody's going to do that 
in our future. Perhaps it was men in your life that let you down or made poor decisions. And so every relationship you've ever been in with a man, it feels it's the exact same way. And you just know it's just a matter of time before he does exactly what my father did. My father would come home late. He would say he was working late nights. But really he was hanging out with this other chick. And I know that now when he calls me, he can't come home early. He's going to be late. I'm thinking, well, I wonder who he's talking to. I wonder who he's hanging out with. Are you tracking with me? These are the very same instances that begin to shape our perspective on a regular basis. If you've experienced disappointments in your life, maybe it's big letdowns, maybe it's big dreams that you had that really shrunk down to nothing. Maybe you tend to be lean more towards a cynical bent now, which really I read a, a quote about cynicism, that if you scratch a cynic underneath, you'll find an idealist who's been disappointed. So because I've been let down in different areas or arenas of my life, I've experienced a disappointment. It seems like it was a domino effect, and now all I seem to see are disappointments. And as a result, I don't think anything ever will work out because nothing ever has. So now I'm walking through life in the drudges of life, discouraged and disappointed. Maybe it's loss. Maybe you've experienced just a grievous loss, and it is overwhelming. But now I just don't know if I can ever really put trust in people or do I really want to build relationships? Do I really want to take that step of faith because I'm afraid that I'll lose it or them or this in the same manner that I lost that? And so our past experiences begin to shape our perspective. And if crazy comes, which crazy will come, and it looks like marital challenges. It looks like financial crisis. It looks like a sickness that the doctors have no hope for a cure. It looks like the loss of a job. It looks like an unexpected pregnancy. It looks like I desperately want to be pregnant, but we can't get... Man, crazy looks like so many different things. And if we're not careful, then the ingredients of our past experiences, like a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of this and a little bit of that begin to shape our perspective. And we just push the down button and it drags us into the doldrums of life. Oh man, I don't know if it's going to get any better. And when we look at the, the future, we, future, are you kidding me? Future, I can't even see past tomorrow. And it feels like this insurmountable mountain. And I would just ask this question of you today. Remember this series is a contemplative to think through what are the things that I need to adjust and I would ask you this, in what arenas of your life are your past experiences shaping your perspective? How often do you hold someone's past failures against them? How often do you keep people at a distance? How often do you fail to dream because you did it once before and it failed miserably? Our past experiences often will shape our perspective. Another thing that shapes our perspective is my expectations. My expectations often shape my perspective. And listen, uh, most frustrations in our life, most of the frustrations that you and I experience in our life can be tied directly to unhealthy or unrealistic expectations on any given person or scenario. You just wanted so greatly for this to be something so awesome. And yet it failed to be that. And as a result, my expectations are not met. 
And now what do I do with that? And that begins to shape our perspective. I think some of the things that, that can be unhealthy expectations, look at me in the eyes for a moment, is perfection. Hey, listen, I know contrary to wild belief, you are not perfect. Nor is your spouse or your children or your boss. You're like, I know that's right. Or your employees or your siblings or your parents or your pastors. We're not perfect. But yet for some of us, perfection has become the goal. It's become the goal in everything. And so when we fall short of perfection, it's as if the very foundations of the earth are crumbling. Bring on the zombie apocalypse because life is over. Listen, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, people. You need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. You think I'm joking. Kind of. When we uh, have perfection as the goal, listen, that is a recipe for a very... And underline that word very, make it all caps, italicize it, put it in quotations, a very disappointing life. Hey, look at me. Some of you have placed perfect, perfect expectations on the people that you love the most or your business. And so anytime a measure of what seems less than that would be deemed failure, we slap that label on it. And then it's as if it slowly begins to die in the confines of our mind and our soul. And you know that's true. Because some of you have placed the label of perfection on yourself. And it has actually drastically affected the way that you relate to God because you never feel like you measure up. So you keep him at a distance. Your expectation shapes your perspective. Listen, look at me in the eyes for a moment. Do you realize that how you deal with and live in the relationships of the people that are close to you has a direct reflection on your relationship with God? If you constantly find yourself having a lack of trust, you probably don't trust God to be fully who he says he is. If you find yourself constantly putting the expectation of perfection on yourself, you probably feel like you never measure up to his love. Expectation, it's like an ingredient in the perspective of our life. If I can't climb this mountain perfectly, then I can't even begin. I think another thing with expectations is uh, that uh, people either fail to measure up or I fail to measure up to my level or my measure of success. Why isn't this working? It worked before. We started a business before, but now it's not. Man, our marriage was working, but now it's not. Man, we thought we raised our kids right. We did what we thought we should do. And now they're in these years where it just doesn't seem to be a measure of success that I want. Or perhaps it's accomplishments. I've, I haven't accomplished the things. My expectation was that I would be here by 35 or 45. I'm 28 and I'm still single. God forbid. What is going to happen? So my expectations were so high and now nothing is measuring up. Or some of us place some of this, man, if I'm strong enough, you should be strong enough. I can weather the storm. Why can't you? And we place this expectation on someone in our life and the relationships that we're in. And we're wondering why when they face the same measure of crazy that we do, they crater, but I don't. And in my mind, I'm thinking anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. 
Yeah, my wife said, no, you can't. Did you hear that? That's my life. Pray for me. Pray for me. I mean, I, I, it's, it's insane to me in marriages and in counseling, we, we deal with the challenges that are thrown at people and, and we'll hear one spouse just say, why aren't you stronger? Why didn't you do this? Why can't you? I can. I've walked through this. I've seen this problem before. And this other person's going, but I'm not the same person as you. Why? That's an unhealthy expectation placed on someone that really is an impossible measure. And yet it shapes our perspective. And so then we think they're lazy. Then we think they're not trying. And, and now crazy just went to even DEFCON 4. And I can't even explain how challenging it is. And I just want to ask you, in what arenas of life are you allowing unrealistic and unhealthy expectations to shape your perspective? Is this making sense today? It's amazing to me. I, you know, I, we talk about this quite often, and, but part of our job is to create an environment where anyone can belong and experience the hope and the fullness and the goodness of who Jesus is, and to say, hey, there's a greater life ahead of you. Even if you're in the best season of your life, greater things are yet to come. The best is yet to come. And a huge portion of what we do is helping people put the pieces back together after crazy hit the fan. And it's amazing to me how much perspective weighs into people's opinions and thoughts about the future. My past, my expectations. And another thing that's an ingredient for shaping my perspective is my environments. Really, we're going to hit on this in week three, so don't miss any portion of this series. So I'm going to take this like 30 seconds and just ask a few questions. But my atmosphere is everything. Atmosphere is everything. It's everything. That's why we start a service off with worship. Why? Because we don't care about anything else if the presence of God isn't here. That's why we exist. We just want to see and experience the fullness of who God, a tangible God, who steps off the mythical pages of an archaic book and becomes something real for you and me. Atmosphere is everything. That's why you love to shop at Nordstrom and not Ross Dress for Less. White ceiling, white walls, white floor, white lights, and you got to do this. Oh, large. Dang it, it's small. Right? You walk into Nordstrom, you're like, yes, I'll take a latte, thank you. Sir, I wasn't asking, get, get me a latte right now, thank you. If you buy something there, they, you're like, yes, yes. What's the difference besides pricing? It's the atmosphere. They have somebody going playing the piano with a ponytail, bad news bears. Not a lady, it's a man. You're like, what? Just cut it, dude. And you just sit down next to him. You talk to him. What's up, Frank? I don't know why his name is Frank, but it's Frank. Hey, how are you? What would you like for me to play? This is perfect. Are you tracking? Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Do you know that if your son or son plays football, quarterback, in high school, he has a one in 30 million chance of becoming an NFL co- quarterback? You've heard me talk about this before. One in 30 million chance. And yet one family has managed to produce three NFL quarterbacks, two of them Super Bowl winning. 
You think it's only talent? I beg to differ. Have you seen Eli Manning play? <laughs> accidental. Somebody tell Pastor Joe I said that. It's accidental victories. Three NFL quarterbacks. You think it's only talent? No, sir. It's atmosphere. It's atmosphere. Look at me in the eyes. It's atmosphere. You know what shapes your perspective? Maybe even more than your past and your expectations is the atmosphere that you're in. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you light in darkness or is it the other way around? Do you find the light of life, which is Jesus, slowly being squinched? Or are you light in darkness? Let me ask you another question. Is the environments that you are in on a consistent basis, are the environments that you are in on a consistent basis, are they life-giving? Well, what does that mean? Well, do you feel like alive in them? Or like, ugh. Are you constantly talking about other people's business? Are you constantly talking about the doldrums and the depression and the discouragements of life? Is it a life-giving environment? Questions that are worth asking. Let me ask you a question. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you a reflection of the environment you're in? Or are you setting the stage for what kind of environment I'm in? It is shaping your perspective. You want to dream big? Get around some dreamers. You want to have big faith? Get around some people who have big faith. You want to be a cynic? Get around some cynics. You want to be a gossip? Get around some gossip. If people are coming up to you on a consistent basis, telling you somebody else's business, hey, ding, 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 guess what? You are a gossip. Because somebody feels comfortable coming to you talking about other people's crazy. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. What environment, what atmosphere are you in? We'll talk about that more. In week three. What does this mean? If Listen, if we know the ingredients that shape our perspective, then we can bake a different cake. That'll preach. Tweet it. If we know the ingredients, if we understand that, hey, my past has a profound effect on how I see life in crazy, I get to choose what ingredients are shaping my perspective. If I have unhealthy and unrealistic expectations and I know it, guess what? Bake a different cake. You get to choose. Up or down. This is the way it's always been. It's always going to be frustrating. Things never seem to work out. Why is it that this is always happening great for them and not for me? Blah, blah, blah. Like sadness from in and out. I just want to lay on the floor and cry for a minute. Never seen that movie? My God. I'm going to hand that out at the end of the service. Or you get to choose up. So how do we actually allow ingredients to shape our perspective? Well, here's a novel idea. What if we allowed the scripture to shape our perspective? You know what? Here, I feel a little snarky today. If you want... If you want to experience the fullness that God has, then allow the scripture to shape your perspective, your perspective, which means, hey, you actually have to know what the scripture says. You actually have to read the stinking Bible. And can I just suggest something to you? It's easier than it ever has been before. It's on your phone and it will send you a notification. Hey, wake up and read a verse. Are you tracking with me? I feel so snarky. Y'all are helping me get out of my system, so second service, they're still waking up right now, they'll be okay. 
So what if we allow the scripture to shape our perspective? Hey, stop making excuses by saying, I don't know where to start and start asking some questions of some people who are pastors here who might be able to help you out. Are y'all tracking? Thanks, Megan. They're like, settle down, Pastor Kerry. So here, let's just look at this scripture. Isaiah 43, 16 through 21. If you want to allow the scripture to shape experiences, listen to this. And this is the message translation. And I just want to take a commercial break to share that this is a paraphrase of the scripture, right? And so Eugene Peterson took the original translation and he wrote it that's applicable for you and for me. It's his paraphrase. I like to read it because it makes sense to me and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So for everybody else... You just have to deal with it for a moment. Is that okay? Can we go there? Awesome. That was just for free. Isaiah 43 verses 16 through 21 says this. This is what God... I just need to pray for peace in Jesus' name. This is what God says. Listen to this. Come on. This is so good. Jeremy, you better come up here. I'm going to be in trouble. This is what God says. The God who builds a road through the ocean. Who carves a path through the pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots. We could say tanks and missiles and armies. They lie down and then can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Does that not sound like a little bit of crazy in life? The ocean and the pounding waves. An enemy that can surround you from every side. Does that not sound like crazy? And look what the scripture says. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. He's saying you choose. You choose. What shapes the perspective of your life when you face crazy. Stop Going over old history. Stop going over old history. Look at this. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. That's the promise for you and for me. But all I see is my past. All I see is the challenges. We'll stop looking there because God isn't. He's saying I'm doing something brand new. Right? That's the scripture shaping your perspective. Listen to this. I'm doing something brand new. I love this. It's bursting out. It's like just ready to spring forth. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I love this. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands saying, Hey, if you're in the middle of hell, hang tight. Keep on going because I'm paving a road. And if you feel like there's a drought, guess what? I'm bringing a river right up your alley. This is going to be good. I'm doing something brand new. Listen, if you've dealt with rejection, look in the eyes. Remember that you've rejected Christ. That's what sin is. And Jesus still said, I'm going to give you my grace. If you're dealing with disappointment, just remember that you've been a disappointment to Christ. But he doesn't look at the past. He looks at your future and he still says, you're worth it. If you're dealing with loss, man, he, God sent his only son. He knows loss. 
So am I saying to just dismiss the emotions and the, the, the pains of the past? No, I'm just saying don't let them shape your perspective. Because they don't have to. They don't have to. If experience is shaping my perspective, give grace a chance. Grace never runs out. If it does, it's simply a favor. Hey, I'm going out of town. Would you mind coming to check on my dog while I'm out? Absolutely, that's doing someone a favor. Hey, I just ran out of gas. Can you come pick me up? Absolutely, that's doing something or someone a favor. But giving grace. Nobody deserves the grace that Jesus has given us. And yet he continuously gives it. Give grace a chance. Well, I've been hurt before, okay, but keep choosing grace. Jesus does every time. Every time. Every time. When disappointment seems to paint the canvas of my life, it's an indicator that my hope is in the wrong place. When disappointment is painting the canvas, not that we can't experience disappointment, we have to live this like, like we, we dismissive like idea of it doesn't really, you know, oh, that was bad. Oh, stop talking about it. Don't give it any credence. Don't speak that anymore. No, no, no. That's, that's kind of foolish. If you're, you face a disappointment, okay, we get that. I understand. I've got disappointment in my life. But if I look at the canvas of my life and the broad strokes of the tapestry of my life are painted with disappointment, hey, it may be indicative of the fact that my hope is in the wrong place. Because when I face disappointment on a continual basis, it's because I'm putting my hope in something that fails, but there is something that will never fail. That's the purpose of a relationship with Jesus. Listen, Hebrews 6 says this. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. My God, what an amazing scripture. That we have the right to hold on with both hands to the hope of God's promises that his word will never return void and that Jesus filled the gap for you and for me. Man, that's allowing the scripture to shape our perspective. So come hell or high water. Have the hope of Jesus. The hope of Jesus. It doesn't have to be a naive or an ignorant thought. No, it's faith. It's faith. Believing that God's going to do what he said he would do. Because he cannot lie. So place your expectation in Christ. And listen to this. Give him permission to redeem any situation or any relationship. Let me say that again. Place your expectation in Christ. And give him permission to redeem any situation or any relationship. His redemptive plan is always at work. 
Look at me in the eyes. Some of you need to hear this. His redemptive plan is always at work. What does that mean? That when crazy exploded and then life imploded, God began to do a work. Actually, before it happened, he started to do, I, don't, I look like I'm playing a dulcimer right now. He started to do a work on the implosion of your crazy life so that something beautiful can come from it. So give him permission to redeem that relationship, to redeem that scenario, because he's already working on your behalf. And you'll find that he always meets our expectation. The scripture says he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. I just feel in my core, like so many of us see the crazy of life like Mount Everest and we just lower the expectations. We stop dreaming and believing. We stop hoping because it's always happened like this in our past. People never seem to measure up. Nobody else in my world thinks it's going to happen. So you know what? We'll just let it be. I believe God wants to kick up a notch the, the ingredients that shape our perspective. Man, it's not always going to be like this. Listen, when we allow the beautifully crafted ingredients of Scripture to shape our perspective, our situations won't change, but the context will. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. To say that just by shifting my perspective, it will merely shift the outcomes of life is foolishness because crazy will always be here. Jesus said, trials and tribulation you will have with you always. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. So as we allow scripture to shape our perspective, it actually doesn't change the scenarios that life throws at us, but it changes the context. It shifts the way that we perceive life to be and the future that's ahead of us. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, an amazing passage of scripture. Listen to this, verses 9 through 10. This was Jesus speaking. He said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Paul said, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now, look at this. Now, I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. Remember, consider it pure joy, holy, joyful. My brothers, when you face trials of many kind, here's Paul, a different writer, saying the same thing. Now, I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to a size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And the weaker I get, the stronger I become. He just shifted the context of his life by just shaping his own perspective. And I wonder what God could do in your life and in mine if we started choosing the ingredients that shape our perspective. Choose up. 
Choose peace. Choose joy. Choose grace. Choose God's purpose. Choose the fact that his promises are for you. They are yes and amen. Don't choose down. Choose up. It's your choice. You get to decide the perspective with which you see the craziness of life. No one else gets to do that for you. So choose up. Choose up. And allow the scripture to shape and be the ingredients of your perspective. It may not change the situation. Look me in the eyes. It will change the context. You can find hope where there seems to be no hope. You can believe in a future where the future at one point seemed to be dead. That's not my word. That's God's word for you. So choose up. You know the greatest part about this? Is God is continually choosing you. Continually choosing you. It means no matter the disappointments, no matter the challenges, He's choosing you time and time again. Just patiently waiting, like at the door of a heart, knocking, saying, man, I'm right here ready for you. I choose you. No matter how many times you turn your back on me, no matter how many times you're ashamed of me, no matter how many times you're ashamed of yourself and don't want to be near me, I still choose you. So choose up. Choose up. Watch God shape that context in your life. Hey, there may be some of you in here today that are struggling with the concept or the idea of choosing up because every time you try or you broach the subject of religion and God, you feel a separation, a gap. And the Bible talks about that separation. It's called a sin gap. And all of us have it in our life. And there's consequence for it. Death and an eternity separated from God called hell. But the Bible boasts of a radical solution. The gift of God that closes the gap and pays the consequence for your sin and for mine. It's a free gift. It's not about church membership. It's not about erasing and eradicating your past. It's about simply saying yes to Jesus. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, would you just join me in your own heart? We're not going to ask you to get out of your seat or come forward. But I just want to challenge you, don't leave today without closing that gap. And beginning the process of allowing God to shape your perspective. And hey, some of you in here today have been running from God. And today is the day to come back. As we pray this prayer, would you just join me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, would you just in your own heart repeat it after me? You don't have to say it out loud. And if you're here and you've been running, today is the day to come back. Just say this prayer after me in your heart to say, God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose, and that you want to do a work in my life. I've got sin. I feel a separation. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for me. All across this room, heads bowed, eyes closed, just make this statement your own. Just Jesus, I give you my life. 
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.